0: Welcome to My Talk, the podcast series brought to you by ISS Market Intelligence. Thank you so much for tuning in. The focus of our discussions on My Talk is the global retail financial services industry and in all of its um, uh, different subsegments uh, asset management, wealth management, banking, life insurance, uh, uh, fintech, you name it. For more than three decades now, ISS Market Intelligence. Uh, team has been a passionate student of this business globally. Um, So the mission for this podcast is to really peek behind uh, the curtain or the industry headlines and try to really think about the implications of the various developments and trends. And to do so, we are lucky enough to always be able to line up some really interesting guests, thought leaders, industry experts to help us think through some of those ideas we do create new episodes monthly so please uh if you enjoy this uh uh, episode of my talk uh remember to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform my name is Goshka Folda, I'm your host and Global Head of Research at ISS Market Intelligence. In the last episode, uh, we took a, a deeper dive um, and uh, uh, looked at the, that our forecast of the US um, Investment Fund business. Um, this uh, area of work has been kind of our, uh, our stomping ground for more than three decades, going back to our genesis with Strategic Insight in New York. Um, and investor economics in Canada. Um, Today, we're going to pivot away uh, from the investment funds uh, manufacturing side of the business and focus on the distribution. Um, uh, What I think, uh, you know, is very important to think about, that notwithstanding the the, the great work that goes into putting together uh, compelling investment strategies and products, Um, uh, in the investment funds arena uh, without a winning distribution strategy, uh, the battle is probably not going to be won. So let's start looking at the distribution paradigm in the U.S. by taking a deep dive into the eponymous uh, RIA channel, which garners interest not only in the U.S. but actually globally, um, as in many ways it is the flag bearer for the advisor independence movement. Um, But the RIA channel is changing, it's been around for decades, but it is changing and so must the asset manager strategies, how to um, build business uh, with, uh, win business from advisors and firms in this channel. So to illuminate on this particular topic, I'm joined by my uh, ISS market intelligence colleague and a long time friend, Dennis Galant. Dennis is associate director on our product engagement specialist team. And he brings with him a wealth of industry knowledge, deep expertise built through a great career in research consulting and advisory uh i like to call dennis our u.s wealth management research guru he is one uh without any doubt um dennis is right now in the process of putting the final touches on our um, new uh, research study that is going to be exclusively focused on the RRA research and is going to leverage the wealth of data and information from a variety of sources that we have within ISS market intelligence. Welcome Dennis. Thank you, Goshka. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. So let's get right into it, Dennis. Um, uh, as I mentioned, the RA market has been around for decades. Is it still an area of focus uh, in the marketplace?
1: You know, it, it it is an area of focus. In fact, it's a kind of a renewed focus in the marketplace. Now, if you go back, the the RAs have certainly been this mo- movement for the independence in the in 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 the U.S. marketplace, right? Or at least pure in, independence, right? We've always had an independent broker-dealer channel, but they've also been sort of a, a, a bellwether of trends to, in the marketplace. They were led the whole move towards fee-based pricing. Uh, they're the leaders, and still the leaders in adoption of financial planning and financial advice. So it's attractive market to look at because whatever the RAs are doing, it's slowly. Making its way through the traditional channels, right? And you know, and and part of the challenge in the marketplace is that we're seeing blurring lines in this distribution. But the reason REAs are still that area of focus is one, it's a hard to market to get your arms around because it is independent and fragmented. Um, but it is the benefactor of growth from other channels. So, so where we see some firms either struggling to grow, or we see other channels, uh, you know, um, contracting a bit. You're seeing the RA m- market actually gain uh, in terms of firms and assets at the expense of every other channel. So it is the channel of growth it is the channel of large practitioners uh, and and of those that are considered sort of uh, you know best practices in the marketplace. So I think every firm is is if they're not targeting it, they're refining their efforts to go after the RA marketplace again.
0: So that's a really great point. That is that this is kind of a critical um, a part of every firm's, or should be a critical part of every mm-hmm. firm's asset manager's distribution strategy. But I think that you point out in your research that this this the the RA channel is changing. And it's different than what we would have considered to be a typical or prototypical, uh, you know, single pr- right. practitioner advisor, fee-based advisor, financial planner uh, of the yesteryear. How how has it changed? It's 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 it, it, it's it's
1: two things. Some of it hasn't changed at all. In a sense that it is still a wide-ranging, very very uh, geographically spread marketplace, right? Uh, they range from mom and pop shops to these large hybrid enterprise type practices that are out there in the marketplace and i think firms have always struggled with how do we identify the types of firms that are most likely to use our services our products our capabilities and how do we support such a diverse area right geographically there's no centralized access with the broker dealer so those issues still exist in the marketplace what has changed is is the nature of a couple factors one is you know you, you see this this fintech revolution so you know the marketplace has been matured in a sense that that you're seeing firms that have always struggled with the ability to scale an independent practice in the past you had to pull together all your technology and your tech stack and you had to do a lot of stuff by yourself you didn't have a home office centralized capability and we've seen this growth of platformization of the marketplace that has really really accelerated the ability for advisors to sort of break away and say go independent and set up their own RAA shop, and not only set up their own RAA shop, but really scale that business. And so we've seen a much more growth in professional professional practices that are out there. The you know where uh, firms you know we used to track firms that were. You know back in my old cerule days that were you know half a half a million and up in assets right we're talking firms that are five six seven ten twenty thirty billion you know a hundred billion with terms of being an aggregator plus so we've seen these firms move into this enterprise realm um, we've also seen a nature of the types of devices that are going independent you know in the past to become an rea you sort of had to be an entrepreneur right in the pure sense that that not only did you want to pursue fee base but you had to figure out how to run your own business and there's still a bit of that that overhead there but the tools the capabilities the infrastructure are making it much easier and so you're seeing a lot of advisors coming in the marketplace that have a different approach to uh, the market um, um, they're more planning oriented they're more service oriented uh, they're more likely to maybe even delegate assets rather than managing themselves um, they may be interested in joining larger firms so I think the technology has changed the way the marketplace has looked, the large and scaling of these advisor practices, right? And there's sort of changing behavior. I think for a lot of firms, um, while they're still distinct channel, there's a lot of overlap in this whole fiduciary environment that's growing in the US marketplace. That firms are 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 finding better centralized access points to the marketplace. So it's become an opportunity because it's growing in assets, it's become a growing opportunity because. Uh, the advisors are a little bit more. Um, uh, there may be more opportunity to sell in a traditional sense, and it's changing the way firms are even looking at them from how they're deploying sales teams. Do I have a dedicated effort or not? But we can talk about that in a few.
0: Yes, Dennis, that's such a such a good point. I I mean, in some kind of uh, maybe funny way to think about it, uh, the advisors that love the more traditional channels like the wirehouse channel. Uh, are now increasingly starting to look like the the, the environment that they that they have the uh, that they have left behind. But um, uh, I know you'll dig it into this a little bit. But I did want to drill a little bit into the the expansion of the types of services. I think you mentioned uh, the role of asset management, but also financial planning. Can you elaborate on that?
1: sure. so so, advisors overall are expanding their role in wealth management, right? Whether they like it or not, you've got aging. we've, we've talked about this in past podcasts, right? You've got the retirees and boomers entering retirement. um, you've got uh, you know Gen X, you've got Gen Z moving into the ranks and accumulating assets with different preferences and different perspectives. And you know, and as the advisors have been trying to also justify their fee, uh and their services and capabilities have expanded those capabilities so investment management is just a part of what they're doing now they're doing more planning more holistic advice delivery there's banking services being brought into the realm right and and that's created opportunities because they're servicing and providing clients with more services capabilities they're servicing a wider range of clients right um but it also creates some capacity issues too right so So uh, they've got that more scale, right? Which is why FinTech and some of the other capabilities help them expand those services. So FinTech has allowed them to scale their business, teaming up and consolidation has allowed greater scale, but they're still grappling with capacity issues, right? And it's driving some cases, some of the M&A activities are going on there. You know, how do you keep all the balls in the air? So again, there's a broader, broader array of capabilities and services beyond asset management, which is still a very important part of the role but for many of these firms, it's really driving change in the sense that it's hard to deliver advice and manage money, right? And and so it's driving these firms to expand and grow and merge and consolidate and scale, uh, and that's that's a big driver in that marketplace.
0: And I think that's like a perfect segue. To um, to uh, to the uh, kind of the changing role of asset or investment management, I think is a perv- perfect segue to to exploring how these firms are changing in the way that they secure uh, the product or investment um, management or asset management services from their their providers. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the rising um, uh, role of the pro buyers uh, at RIAs?
1: Sure. So so REAs have always been, you know, manage the money themselves. They break away. Many of them came from the investment management industry. So as a core coming out of the trust and asset management industry going back into the early 90s, right? Many of them came in uh, with this new service and their portfolio managers by trade. Um, but for a lot of the advisors, you know, the, the money management again is an area where it's getting harder, it's becoming more and more competitive. And, and competitive pressure actually starts act from, from the from the warehouse end. You know, warehouses have driven a lot of their their business to go after more affluent clients. And affluent clients have greater demand for for services, they want alternatives, they want more sophisticated portfolios. Um, so, so as those groups of advisors and that competitive pressure to go after the affluent market, that competitive pressure, REAs have had to step up their role in asset management. <laughs> You know, at the same time, because they're doing all these planning issues, right, and they have all these tools that allow them to scale their business, there's like, well, you know, where do I find the time to to really do all of this? And so it's created sort of a bifurcation in in the marketplace, and um, you know, and for a lot of RAAs, you know, they're they're either looking to I'm going to join a firm that has greater investment capabilities or I'm going to build out my own CIO team and capability. So you're seeing a lot of these team practices build out a CIO team and they get three or four analysts and these teams could be 10 10 10 analysts, could be three analysts, could be 20 analysts depending on how big it is. But but the reality is that investment and investment managements become more sophisticated because it can be. We can integrate more solutions. Uh, and the advisors realize they compete especially in investment management, where do I where's the best use of my time is it doing client development, doing advice, or managing the money. And in a fiduciary environment, think of it too, these are all fiduciaries now, right? So you know, the advisor can certainly manage parts of the portfolio, but there are are certain sleeves of the portfolio where they can add enough value, they don't have that expertise. So if you're not adding that expertise internally, then you need to consider outsourcing and delegating it. So no matter which way you turn, the advisors are either becoming more pro-buyers, where they start to look very institutional-like in how they're managing money, and they have, you know, a very structured approach, right? Or, or the flip side, you're dealing with, um, you know, an outsourcing where they may be using an SMA manager, or they may be using, uh, you know, a model portfolio for the sleeve of their portfolio, and to access those products is through a different provider and through a, through a, through, a, through a, a more pro-buyer experience. So we're seeing a much more pro-buyer uh, environment across the, 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 the marketplace. Um, you know, I was just writing a section on SMAs and, and, and dual contract versus single contract. And you know, traditional RAAs aren't very big into dual contract, uh, you know SMAs, right? Because in some ways that's what they do, right? I'm a I'm a dual contract, you know. That's what I do. Why Why would I give up? I'm, that's the core of of my role. I'll use a single contract here and there, but even that world is changing here and there. Especially as you get these breakaways entering these firms called what we call super hybrids to the aggregators, where they're starting to join teams where they are providing solutions to a wider range of folks. And I think the best example of of this pro buyer movement is what we call these enterprise RAAs that are emerging in the marketplace. These are shops that are behaving more like a large enterprise institution given the name uh, than their predecessors. And I think that's a huge area of focus among asset managers, but I think across the any vendor going to the RA marketplace is looking at at them.
0: So we'll we'll circle back, Dennis, to the topic of how um, how the, this kind of emergence of the pro buyer community at RIAs impacts the the type of engagement that asset managers have to bring to the table and that relationship. But let's uh, maybe just quickly do a level set on um, uh, how we define enterprise RIAs. I think you you use the the terms enterprise and then also high hy- hybrids aggregators. Can you unpack that for us a little bit?
1: So yes, and, and it, it's not a, it's 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 an area or a, a group that every firm defines slightly different, right? So we've seen a lot of consolidation in M and A activity, right? We've seen growth in team practices. So we see these advisors crossing the billion dollar AUM mark, start getting the seven eight billion, and and as you start to see this emerging group, um, you see these enterprise REAs that provide a, a more centralized approach to how they're business. So they range in different types of firms. On one spectrum, what I call super hybrids these are firms that are affiliated with with an independent broker dealer or may even have their own brokerage license right um, they they came out of the independent BD marketplace these called OSJs long in the independent but these are firms that have built you know a, a think of it as a broker dealer within a broker dealer or they've built a wealth management platform themselves so they've centralized fintech they centralized compliance they'll help with business development. Right, they'll help with your marketing. They'll help with money management, whatever you want to do. And so, to attract especially advisors that are looking to leave the confines of of the wirehouse and hope to monetize their practicing by going independent, um, these are a great access point for those solutions. I can go to a super hybrid firm, and it's a very turnkey solution. um, And I can scale up my business really fast, and they can help me convert things. Um, And again, um, they've centralized a lot of those capabilities. They even, uh, in some cases. Uh, with these firms, you're even an employee of the firm, right? You're operating on their ADV. So from an asset manager, well, I'll stop. But so we've got that group. And then it runs the spectrum of firms like Hightower and Focus Financial, which are aggregators, right? CI Financial. These are firms that have acquired other RAA firms and the consolidation continues, right? To scale those practices. Because again, even even if you're a you know, a large team practice and you've grown to a billion in assets to get to the next level, to really scale your business like anything. There's like, you know, the technology requirements, the infrastructure, the compliance keeps exponentially rising with it. So the aggregators have come together to help consolidate that. It's a way to also monetize your business faster, right? So RAs can find that. But, but again, you're seeing a lot of these firms start to centralize capabilities. Now, not every firm centralizes everything here, right? So asset managers still have to, and other firms still have to think about whether are they centralizing all the technology. So if you're if you're a, a performance reporting uh, uh, provider or an asset management firm, you really have to understand what firm you're talking to. And there's around 40 or so of these firms out there, depending on how you define it. Some of them call them mega RAAs, But they become really attractive because they are centralized, because you can go through a centralized portal that there is a known entity of firms that are tied to this and again whether you're pushing your technology platform or you're pushing you know a certain investment solutions it becomes a centralized access point and these firms are wielding great great levels of of of, of assets you know we're talking you know most of these firms are north of 10 billion in assets under management that is Exceedingly high, so it's attractive because of their centralization and it's a growing market. We're seeing every day there's another firm that crosses that that line into what we consider the enterprise marketplace, and I think that speaks to what I mentioned in the first place. This professional uh, and a professional, you know, business growth of the marketplace has been pushed for years, but I think it's finally manifesting itself where they're not just little independent shops and mom and pops that they're really truly building out as business lines.
0: Yeah, then that's, that's such a great point, but I think that connected to that is also how asset managers then engage uh, engage with these various entities and I guess they have to cover the, the waterfront from the mom and pop shop all the way to the, as you described them, the mega RIAs with centralized access points. Uh, what are some of, of these sales support challenges that you're seeing as you're talking to the various asset managers and wealth uh, managers?
1: The the historical uh, issues have, are are still the same right it's coverage of this marketplace as you mentioned there's mom and pop shops there's there is there's you know there's large you know there's mid-sized teams there's large teams there's mega teams there's the enterprise shops that are out there right? And uh, and there's always new firms. We're seeing new firms enter the market all the time. And there's lots of different ways you become an RA these days too, which complicates it, right? You can stay within a, a firm like a Commonwealth Financial and still retain, become a uh, re- become an RAA and no brokerage license. So how do you treat them compared to some other firm that's custodying with Schwab and multiple places? So the marketplace is definitely blurring. And that's a challenge. You know, the market, you know, the, the asset managers are still trying to think, how do I best deploy? I can't dedicate enough wholesalers or Salesforce team to cover all the our marketplace. So segmentations become really critical here where firms are focused on those higher end firms, you know, the half a million, half a billion or 750 billion all. Uh, there are many that look at that pro buyer status too, or they're looking at the aggregators? Is it more centralized approach? Is it a if they're a more professional money management approach, right? So I think firms are thinking, you know, how do we deploy? The marketplace and what makes sense. And it really depends on who you are as an asset manager. Many of the large tier asset management firms that have had already a good stake in the RA marketplace are starting to actually de-channelize and saying, look, at a 750 and above in assets under management, and because we're seeing breakaways move across from when you near, just because they were at a wirehouse two weeks ago and now they're an RA or they were the super hybrid, have they really changed their business model? And do I need to change the way that I'm deploying coverage for them, right? um you know so i there's a lot of there's a lot of debate you know some firms allow it to lag some some make it go to a different direction but some firms are saying look i'm looking at a business model and at a business model at that level whether they're at a warehouse or regional broker dealer an independent bd or a pure raa they look the same and so that's an efficient way of doing coverage but not every firm's going to be able to leverage that same approach um, there are some firms that just don't have the bandwidth, or maybe they've not had a big stake in the RA marketplace. And REAs are an area where they still require a more dedicated effort. They are still a little bit different than the rest. And so, um, if you've got, you know, if you've got the right more senior, more CFA-oriented wholesalers, this is a marketplace that you may want to dedicate more time and effort to build. That the the one thing that's clear, and this goes beyond just REAs, is that this is a marketplace. That is saturated right advisors are not wanting for access to to managers right they they've got managers at every turn if anything the fintech world and the platforms are plugging even more capabilities and managers into the into the pipeline um and so firms always have to think about where's the you know it, it's more important about showing dedication and commitment and consistency right you know um you know REAs want firms that are committed to the marketplace and understand that it's a longer sales cycle for the REA marketplace. That they don't want to work with a firm that one day says, "Hey, we got this great dedicated effort and new service element," and then six months down the road, the whole, you know the asset manager senior management says, "We're not making, we're not hitting our numbers. Let's let's roll them into another group." And then the REA calls and they find that they're out uh, they're at some you know generic broker dealer desk. You know, for the IBD, you know that doesn't bode well. So it's really important that they show commitment and co- and continuity in their efforts in the marketplace. That trumps everything in that market. The other element of all of this is so that's just just a traditional advisor marketplace, and it overlays a bit with this enterprise REA. But with the enterprise REA and this pro buyer environment is, well, they're institutional like so. Do we start deploying a national account step approach? Do we start looking at them like we do at any institution or any home office where we're working at with a gatekeeper and we're working with, uh, you know, a due diligence team and there's more of that official quantitative screenings and I bet I make sure I've got the PM showing up when they're doing their their investment committee meeting and they're making a manager change, right? So the industry is really struggling with. What's the best approach? It's still a fragmented market. These firms are big, but they're not as big as traditional institutions, but they're acting that way. So you're seeing a lot of firms really beef up specialists and expertise in the investment management side, right? CFA, portfolio construction, uh, they're trying to figure out better ways to support and spread their, their PMs. Uh, within the marketplace, right? And they're determining at what point do we start layering in a national accounts coverage for these firms. A lot of firms are already using national accounts to cover these firms to get on their platforms. Like I said, these enterprise firms have evolved to that status, enterprise, and firms are starting to treat them that way. But it's not a perfect line in the sand. And, you know, it's a difference between the $100 billion shop uh, versus a a $10 billion shop on how you should best coverage that. Um, There's also bifurcation of... Of just the investment management, you know, we've got a territory challenge as well. Um, RAs have always been hard to cover from a territory standpoint, but now because of consolidation, you could be showing up at an RA's office in Chicago, and you find out that they bought a fixed income team a year ago, and that fixed income team is in LA. And the analyst on fixed income is in LA, and that's outside the territory of that wholesaler. So, how are you going to coverage those problems? So there's lots of challenges in this marketplace. I think, you know again, as it's grown in assets and that centralization, it makes sense, but it doesn't mean that there isn't opportunities with those emerging smaller shops. As we mentioned early at the beginning, it's a new entrance every day into this marketplace. And so today's $150 million uh, AUM advisor practice could be tomorrow's 350, five years, be at $750 million. So everyone has to really do, I think, a reevaluation of their segmentation and deployment of their sales force. And it's not a one size fits all. Every firm has to go with their strengths in order to deploy properly.
0: Yes, Dennis, these are such great points. Uh, I I think that you, the, 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 the two things that I really took away is that idea of Um, understanding your buyers. So segmentation is really critical Mm -hmm. and understanding what the firms are and appreciating that there are nuanced uh, differences. As you said that not every enterprise uh, RIA or mega RIA is the same as, as another mega RIA or enterprise RIA. So really thinking through uh, about that, understanding the intelligence that's out there about the firm in the market. And the other thing I really love what you talked about, dedication, consistency, continuity, That's all about relationship, and I think that we all know that in this channel, I think relationships still matter, even if it's a relationship with a centralized access point. I think it's important. So, Dennis, just uh, maybe very quickly, market outlook for RIAs. I think people who want to know more have to buy the study, but otherwise, can you just give us a uh, kind of a 30 second uh, outlook for the RIA market?
1: So it's going to continue to grow and consolidate. I think even during this difficult period right now where maybe cash is not as easily available to drive M&A, I definitely think as we come out and the economy starts to strengthen even more, we're going to see further consolidation down the road. So the mega firms will get even bigger mega firms. Um, There'll continue to be this growth in the marketplace, but I also think there'll be further blurring. I do see efforts where the independent BDs um, out there building up more capability. So RAs are going to exist across the spectrum now. And so it's going to complex. I used to say that, tell everyone that RAs aren't going to take over the world. It's just that everyone's going to start looking more like RAs. And I think that's becoming very true in in that environment. So I think it's a positive in the sense that we are becoming more centric in, in how advisors are behaving, the services and the investment advice. I think the key thing now is the outlook is is that, that it's a competitive and saturated marketplace. If you're selling into that marketplace, um, you need to stand out and that is going to require you to not only look at it from having the right segmentation for coverage, but it requires you to have a better persona of what's the types of advisors and their underlying clients are because the the bar has been raised and to differentiate yourself and to help them grow their business which is top of mind for all of them growing and engaging new business it's going to require even more effort from the marketplace so so a client engagement uh, all those tools we talked about relationship management is even is even more critical moving forward but it's going to continue to be a growth marketplace and they're going to still be the bellwether of trends even if everyone else starts to copy what they're looking like and it's, the gap is closing
0: and that's that was more
1: right. than thirty that's,
0: seconds. Sorry. About that. No, no, that's great, Dennis. Such a fascinating channel, and I think that you landed so many great points. Uh, you know, again, uh, even outside of the U.S., there's great interest in the RIA channel. You know, as that as I mentioned, flag bearer for advisor empowerment, independence, but also for the fee-based practice for holistic financial planning practices. So I think there's just uh, so much to dig into this topic. We could talk for another 15 minutes, but we're going to take mercy on our uh, on our listeners. Thank you very much, Dennis. Uh, as much as I love to talk uh, about product in this business, at the end of the day, uh, I, as I said, the battle is won and lost on the distribution front lines. And all right, ACE is where a lot of action is at. Um, As Dennis pointed out, this is one channel that continues to grow and house many advisors and teams that are very growth-oriented. That is not necessarily the case for every single uh, uh, wealth management channel out there. So from that perspective remains a very attractive target for asset managers uh, to find the right approach and diversified approach to firms um, in this uh, channel, which are clearly uh, coming in all shapes um, and sizes. Um, Let us know if you're interested in hearing more about our RIA study. It will be released in December. Uh, I personally, you can tell, I'm very excited about it. But that is a wrap for us. I encourage our listeners to come back and join us in the coming months uh, as we wrap up the year. And then we have uh, some fantastic guests lined up for early in the new year. Um, And uh, uh, where has the year gone? (laughs) Um, As always, I encourage you to pick us with ideas for topics or specific industry guests that you would like for us to invite and feature. and in the meantime, thank you on behalf of ISS Market Intelligence. And let's keep studying and looking at the business together. With that, a sign off. Thank you.